a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Renthal, Maxis, Koba Links and the guys at motorsport.com. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. This is a remote podcast, and the Weege joins me for this a, a long, long form, in depth conversation with John Eric Burleson, who's done a ton in the industry, including uh, uh, right now, currently advising uh, and on the uh, ownership group of Intense Bicycles, which a uh, big part of my program, obviously, as most of you know. So thanks to, thanks to Jeb for coming on this show. Uh, caught up with him in the Intense Cycles office and. Uh, Talked to him about his career and our paths crossing at KTM and him leaving a presidency job at KTM and much more. So thanks uh, thanks for you people for really enjoying this uh, podcast and listening to it. Fly Racing's 2021 line has been improved and expanded, offering the industry's widest range of moto and off-road products. Led by the Formula Helmet featuring Rion technology, Fly Racing has taken big steps forward with the all-new light pant and Zone Pro goggle. Justin Brayton is going to be wearing the goggle and the helmet this year. It's debuted by him. Uh, so please check that out. Big changes for JB10 and uh, Fly Racing. He'll be almost head-to-toe with the folks at Fly Racing. They, they deliver premium performance from a brand you know and trust. Fearless Pursuit, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Thanks to Renthal as well. More championships by Renthal than all the other brands combined. Renthal.com, you know that they are absolutely crushing it with their Fat Bar 36 that they released earlier last year. The regular 7.8s bar still there, still crushing it. The fat bar, of course, and the uh, twin wall bar. Adam Cincirillo goes back and forth between the fat bar and the twin wall, as does Kenny Roxon and other guys. Sexton, I think, is on the fat bar 36 to start the Supercross series. So whatever it is, whatever kind of function you need your handlebar to perform, Renthal.com has it for you. Grips, chains, sprockets, all of that. Renthal.com, great company, great name as well in the industry. I want to thank the folks at Max's Tires. MXST is developed by Jeremy McGrath and used by A-Ray and Rod Bell out there in Supercross. Jordan uh, Jarvis as well and Jeremy Smith will all be using Max's tires, so please check those out. And if you need some light truck tires, mountain bike tires, trailer tires, Max's.com for more information on that. Also, I want to thank the folks at Cobalinks. Over 25 years, Cobalinks has lowered the first motorcycle. They're based in Boise, Idaho. They made the Suzuki DR350 seat height a little lower. That was their first thing. And today... They've been lowering suspension link for everything from Aprilia to Yamaha, used by trail riders, motocross racers, and adventure tours. 
Like the first link, each one is still seen seed in Idaho for riders of all ages, heights, and abilities. Increase plushness, improve cornering, and gain confidence by having a lower center of gravity. These links are performance reasons, but they also are for people who are shorter. So uh, they've done a great job with these guys, and motorsport.com is going to be carrying it as well. Cobalinks.com and get 15% off any link and free U.S. shipping by using the code PULPAMEX. So use the code PULPAMEX, get 15% off any link. Cobalinks.com, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. Uh, thanks to those guys. Speaking of motorsport, you can get Cobo Links at Motorsport. You can get Renthal at Motorsport. You can get Fly at Motorsport. You can get Maxis at Motorsport. Motorsport.com, uh, whether you race, whether you ride, whether you're just on the trail for fun, whatever it is, UTV, UTV, motorcycle, everybody knows motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Their dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too, whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street. Make your next ride your best ride at motorsport.com. Use the banner on pulpamexshow.com or pulpamex. If you're going to buy through uh, motorsport, uh, click on those banners. It takes you to motorsport, and, and it helps us out a little bit. So please, thank you. We'll get a little credit for that. Motorsport will see that you are supporting us and them, and it will make everybody happy. So thanks for that. Appreciate it. Thanks to Weege for uh, stepping in on this podcast as well. Uh, always uh, always enjoy all things Wygant with John Eric Burleson. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Here's the show. All right, everybody, as promised on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Renthal, Maxis, Cobalinks, and Motorsport.com, one of the most interesting men in the industry, without a doubt. Uh, I've been trying to get him up to Vegas for a while to do this, but instead I decided to come down to California to do the uh, 101 podcast. But, uh, of course, I'm Steve Mathis. Uh, joining me for this uh, podcast, uh, a good friend of mine, he was in the Pulp Show this past uh, Monday night. It's the, the voice of motocross, Jason Wygant. Yeah, I needed a free ride yep. to Temecula, yep. and it saved me gas money. Yeah. So I'm just along for the ride now. And actually, when I started my podcast about three years ago, Jeb was number two on oh, my list. Number two. Really? Ryan Dungey was number one, because yep. Dungey <laughs> just retired, yep. and I wanted to talk to Dungey. Yep. Number two. That's not bad. Podium hey, guy. I'll follow, I'm, I'm yeah. super good to follow behind Dungey. Uh, yeah. So John Eric Burleson on, on the podcast. Uh, thanks, Jeb, for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, people may remember you from the Pulp Show or from his janky podcast, but... Uh, really interesting to talk to you. Thank you for <laughs> thanks for your time. Yeah, I'm super stoked to be able to talk to you guys. Stoked, stoked that you made the ride out here. Bummed we didn't get a ride together. That would have been cool. Yeah, probably yeah. want a moto together. Actually, have this kind of vision of us motoing oh, together. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to get my 125 dialed. That's right, my plan. Right, right. You can ride whatever you want. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm a Blue Crew 450 guy. Okay. So, so bring okay. it. I'm going to be Husky 125. We should have a little thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Kawia, uh home if, track. Yeah. Okay. All right. We can do that. Yeah. And then you come up to Vegas and we can do that. Um, uh, you're, you obviously you ran KTM for a number of years, uh, and we spoke about we crossed paths at KTM early yep. in the race day, uh, or race team stuff. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, broke away from KTM and you're a consultant now. You're on a board at Fox Racing. You're a, a big part of here at Intense Cycles. We're here right yep. now. Uh, you have the Motorcycle Coaching Association, which I think. I probably I think it's a great idea, and I don't know why myself I don't spend more time talking about it. To be honest, I feel like I don't know much about it, so we'll, we'll talk to you a little bit about that because I think that's an awesome idea. And uh, and who knows what else you're involved with? But man, it seems like um, you know whether it's the retail sales of motorcycles, which you're which you know about and you're involved in. You're now involved in the bicycle world, with the intense guys, board of Fox, so you're involved in the aftermarket industry stuff. You're still tied with everybody at KTM, so you know what's going on there. Uh, you've got your fingers in a lot of the industry, uh, power sports, and now bicycle stuff. Well, I mean, I do that because I love it, Yeah. right? And that's the that's the ultimate thing is we're so lucky to work in a business and in an industry that you love what you do, right? Um, I, and I'm lucky now because I think when I was at KTM, we had this sort of 
you're in the echo chamber of the business that you work in. And, you know, you're just always in KTM, KTM, KTM was at the time. And of course we brought on Husqvarna and all this other stuff. But now I get a chance to, to your point, I get a yeah. chance to deal with the guys at Parts Unlimited and our relationship at Intense versus, you know, the board time I get at Fox and doing the coaching association. All of a sudden, man, I tell you, I, I feel like I have a, a much more holistic view about our industry and about our customers. And right. I actually have, I've kind of fallen in love with our industry all again, just, because I've been able to see it from so many different perspectives. It's, sure, it's, sure. I'm lucky. Right. Um, people are going to want the intense Taser e-bike talk. They're going to expect that right out of the gate. So let's just go there. And then I want to get into your head about how you could possibly leave KTM. Uh, <laughs> but, but we'll get into that. Um, but look, the pandemic has been terrible for many people, many small businesses, everything else. The bicycle world, the, the motorcycle world, uh, as we've talked about on the Pulp Show many times, through the roof with sales. People had time on their hands. People weren't working. People were working from home, whatever it is. Um, so you've been involved with Intense. Of course, Ryan Dungey, a big big partner in this as well. That was launched a little while ago. Jeff Myshack, yourself, Jeff Steber, the original owner of Intense, all involved with it. Um, what's that been like to to see a business? You know, we're here in Intense. You can't have many employees here due to the pandemic. But the sales of Intense are insane. So what's that been like to balance? Well, I mean, we talked about it earlier, dude. It's, it's gnarly when you have businesses going out of business, restaurants and all this stuff, and then you're just sitting back going, God, 2020 had to be the greatest year of my life. Yeah, you know? yeah. If financially or, you know, sales of your business, any of it, it's just like, holy crap, what an amazing year. And I think that when you kind of look at it, you know, I think every business, every person, there's good luck and bad luck happens to all of us, right? Yeah. And it's just some of us have a tendency to find the opportunity more when the good luck happens, right? You make less of when the bad luck happens and you look for the good and the good luck happens. And COVID's been good. Yeah. I hate to say that yeah. for all the human tragedy, yeah. man. It's been amazing for dirt bikes. It's been amazing for mountain bikes. And I love visiting dealerships. It's it's kind of a personal passion. I know yep. that's probably a geek thing, but dude, I love seeing what's going on at a dealership. And when you walk in, go to any power sports dealer right now, I'll bet you for every dealer, for every two dealers you go into, one of them is going to have an e-bike yeah. brand yep. in there. And they're seeing that this is part of that life, right? And they're seeing that that life is about riding your bikes and you can ride your e-bike pretty much as long as you're, you know, not living in downtown LA or something, you can pretty much ride yeah. every day of the week and your dirt bike for most of us, you know, you're, you're riding on Saturday and Sunday. Yep. Yep. It's uh what have you learned about the bicycle world that, um, is different from the power sports industry, and what have you learned about is that's the same? Is there is there a crossover at all? Because you know, I I I go mountain biking quite a bit now, and I always feel like the the mountain bike guys are a little more snobbish, a little more hipster, a little more um, I don't know. Like we're moto guys, we get down and dirty. It's like whatever, you know what I mean? Like I feel like the mount, the bicycle world's a little different than the motor, motor, motor for, for sure. It's yeah. different. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I mean just like body image, right? Like you go to a mountain bike race and dudes are fit and yeah. ladies are fit and people are dressed in super tight Lycra, right? Yeah, you yeah, go to yeah. a dirt bike race and yeah. uh, Lycra is probably not what you should be wearing, right? Like it's just not the thing that you should be right. wearing at that event. So there's a little bit of a body image thing going on there. And then the other side of it too is, well, I, I would say two, two major learnings. One, and you know, when you go on your talks about racing and sponsorship and all this yeah. different stuff, power sports is controlled. Realistically, there's, I mean, we could do we could do the map, but it's probably six, maybe seven companies that fundamentally put the money in to make sure that mm -hmm. racing happens in all levels of, of racing. Yeah. And probably of that group, four of them are OEs, right? So yep. it's a really narrow group. So you got about six or seven people that you have to be able to really, or sorry, companies, yep. 
you got to make it work with in order to see a successful career. And mm-hmm. if you're not in with one of those, it's tough. Yeah. Bike industry is a lot more diverse. Um, I think there's more, there's, there's probably more than a hundred mountain bike companies in Germany alone. Really? And oh, just okay. the amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. the opportunity to kind of do your own thing is a lot easier right. in the bike space. I would say, um, it's not so controlled by such a short yep. few, yep. which you see that in racing too, right? I love the fact that there's more race teams out there and there's more opportunities for racers because there are more companies that can put money into it. That's sure. one thing I, 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 I stress about on like supercross motocross as an example. Yeah. Um, the other thing that that's also like, if you walk into a dealer right now and I'm kind of, kind of every, everywhere USA type of thing, yep. you walk into a power sports dealer with a mask on, they're probably going to look at you like. Do you really want to wear that thing? Yeah. Not, I'm not making a mass judgment, but I'm yeah. just saying the power right. sports guys are going to be like, dude, rip that thing off. Yeah, yeah. Depending on where they are. Right. And the mountain bike guys, the bike guys, you walk in there a little more conservative, right. a little more, you know, uh, I would say just a little more cautious mm-hmm. about stuff like that. Yeah, you kind of yeah. feel that right. in their approach of business. There's just right. a little more like F the world, power sports. We're, you just like, there yeah. is just a an authentic rebellious nature to right, power sports right. i think that's that stands alone you brought, i love both yeah but that right. is something special right. I, I notice like on the trail like for me i i go mountain biking and there's just like unspoken rules about the trails where the guy coming up has the right away of the guy coming down <laughs> and, and if you come up on somebody like you kind of got to really slow down and stop and i've been yelled at because i'll just move over six inches and blow by him coming the opposite way and I'll get yelled at because I think they thought it was close or that I'm from a moto world. Like I had tons of room. I'm fine. Yep. Like, yep. like we're good motocross. Right. And I think these guys, it's a little more politically correct out there with bicycle guys. Like for sure, you know, like, Hey man, you know, slow down or, or let me go. It's my turn. Like, I'm like, hey, there's tons of room. What are you talking about? So, well, you're on an e-bike, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. you're already fringe. <laughs> you're already like on the, yeah. on the, on the very far end of fringe. Yeah. Um, but if you go, if you go like, Back into dirt bikes, seventies and eighties, when we could ride basically out of everybody's backyard. Yeah, my old man, that was kind of our our deal. But I just remember him; he'd be like, "Dude, if he saw like, I, I'm not gonna say like a group of horses or something like that, but if he saw that kind of stuff, he was like revving the motor and thinking it was cool." <laughs> and I and I think we lost a lot of trail yeah, because we yeah, did yeah. that kind of behavior. And Dick, so the mountain Dick bike Carlson's guys are, out there doing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just doing donuts around horse people. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, dude, don't do that. You right, know, right, right. Actually, one time when I was a kid, I remember we went and we were riding at a buddy's house and we actually, I don't think it was illegally breaking into, but we went into a horse barn that was like, you know, those big yeah. arenas. Yeah. And we were doing like flat track style in this guy's <laughs> horse arena. <laughs> that <laughs> probably wasn't random very, guy. Yeah. Didn't even know. Didn't know. Him. Oh. Didn't know him. And it was a friend of a friend and, you know. Later on, there was a guy running with a gun and some other things that was just like, get out of here type of thing. But that's kind of how it was. That's yeah, how power yeah, sports yeah. still right. is a little Rebe- bit. Rebellious. Yeah, rebellious. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, mountain bike guys, I think, it, to their credit, right. are a little a little more thoughtful. Like, right. hey, let's not lose this great thing we have, which is trail access. Yep, yep. Probably pretty smart. Yep, not yep. as fun. Right, right not as fun. Yeah. Uh, so you got the Taser MX that you brought out, exclusive partnership with Parts Unlimited. Yep. And that thing has been going well. Uh, the Taser MX, of course, the Taser, regular Taser e-bike stuff. Um this e-bike thing, and people are going to get sick of hearing this because they hear this every Monday night from me, but this e-bike thing is just doing nothing but, but going through the roof, isn't it? Well, I think we're going to see something change over the next 10, 15 years. Um, you know, you're just – the realities of land closure are there. Um, the ability to access trail, it's just there. Yep. And if I'm going to say every power sports dealer f- 
first and foremost, and I think this is one of my success points at KTM was recognizing this and learning this very early on, was they are business people. And they're there to make money and they're there to hold their business up and they're there to make payroll every week. And they've got to do that stuff, right? And if they've got customers coming in that want e-bikes and are enjoying the same sort of feeling that an e-bike brings and they can ride more often, and in our particular case, the hope is, is they get a dirt bike and an e-bike. Yep. Right. And if if those guys are just buying more from the dealership, the dealership's making more money. I'm always happier when a power sports dealer's doing better. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really taking the bicycle industry, you know, some of them are kicking and screaming, but it's really taken the the whole e-bike thing pandemic or not, it's taken the bicycle, bicycle industry by storm. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I probably have a broken record on this one. I've said it so many times, but I, I still am waiting for it to happen. I think at some point in the day, who's a bike company and who's a motorcycle company are going to be pretty gray lines. Okay. You know? yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I honestly yeah. think the grayer that line will probably come on the bike side. Right. I think you'll, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an electric motorcycle as an example, an electric motorcycle from specialized wouldn't surprise me as much as if we saw a pedal bike from a power sports company, right, that would surprise right. me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, what's interesting there is we've already just identified how different the cultures are. Like, we're only saying what because you put an electric motor in a bicycle that still has pedals on it yeah. that this whole thing has changed. So, honestly, the difference between a regular mountain bike and a dirt bike, we're not talking it's changed that dramatically. We've just added an electric motor to it. So I always thought the bigger obstacle between these two things becoming one was the culture of the people. So how big is this culture class? Yes, they can eventually build an electric mountain bike or an electric dirt bike that technologically are very similar. But what about the cultures? Because we just identified how different these cultures are. How is they that going to work? I mean, but we're really talking about. I mean, in the end, we're just we're just people, right? Okay. We're just we're just yeah. guys that ride. Yeah. And when you get out on the trail and you're riding with somebody, if you're on your e-bike, you know, Steve, if you're on your e-bike and you come across another guy that's a mountain bike guy, yeah. and you guys are on the trail together and you're having a good time together, like that kind of culture goes away. It yeah. exists, but on the trail, usually it goes away. Yeah. Okay. And as long as you just you know have fun with people, one of the things I truly enjoyed growing up in the 70s i was born in 74 so i'm older than crap but you know early 80s riding with your buddies riding with my dad's buddies and had this kind of camaraderie of group rides yep kind of that's become harder to to do now and you go out with your e-bike you're gonna go out with three four five guys our local bike rides you see people all the time and it's that camaraderie at trail that binds us it's that that stoke factor like dude i just had a i just shredded that line are you kidding me yeah yeah that was funner than hell you know right so i think that ultimately that feeling you get when you're just you know whether it's hitting a jump line or you know hitting a really rocky technical line or doing any of that kind of stuff that feeling you you get to do and and bs with your buddies and talk crap and you know that's the that same thing my my 12 year old and i go out to palm springs and we we like to ride with a friend of ours um and he's a full-on motorcycle guy, but we end up doing stuff where half the times hike a bike and it's crazy. And like the whole ride home, my kid won't shut up about the experience <laughs> yeah, and, the, yeah. and the BS we're talking about and the yeah. whole thing because that's that's that experience. So yeah. culture, yes, I think that all goes away when it's like a couple of people having a great time riding together. Because old school, at least eighties, nineties, mountain bike people did not like dirt bike people from what from what I thought because it was almost like one is an environmental group and one is anti. Yeah. But is this all, like you're saying, once everybody gets to experience it, what it's like out there together, it's not as big a deal. Well, if, if, you, behave, if you behave like an a-hole at yeah. your local bike park, like it's not going to go yeah. good. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, probably going to yeah. get kicked yeah. out, right? Yeah. People yeah. are going to like key yeah. your car or something. So I think it's a behavioral <laughs> issue a little bit. Okay. And I, just kind of how you how you act, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. The other thing I think has happened, this is going to sound like completely out of 
left field, but like ski resorts don't have as long a winter anymore. And the mm, outcome is there's yeah. bike parks. And yeah. like um, Emig and I have had a couple of summers where we like to go up to Snow Summit, our local bike park here. And I swear that dude, if you if you go with Jeff to Kawea, Lake Elsinore, yeah. Fox Raceway, any of these local tracks, it's kind of oh there's Jeff Emig. Okay, cool. You go with him up to the local bike park. It's like dude, that's Emig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so there is a major crossover of people at the downhill parks yeah. and there are so that, many that are into it right so much more of that yeah. going on than we realize yeah. from you know the vermonts to the new hampshire's new england area where there's good bike parks to the pacific northwest and yeah. of course the front range and all that kind of stuff and yeah. i i think that's a big place of crossover too is that uh, bike park culture what uh for yourself what takes up most of your time these days uh, i just mentioned all the things that, that you do that you're involved in i probably missed a couple what what do you find takes up a lot of your time or what do you find yourself doing more of of, of all your gigs and all your interests so it's going to sound a little bit funny but i actually spend the majority of my time probably riding more than okay. i, I yeah, mean I, yeah, I just yeah. i didn't get that as much yeah. i ride a lot right and it might be nights, weekends. I mean, even the other day, we did a, a gravel ride at lunch here that was like a just same kind of feeling, man. Yeah, you're yeah. high-fiving each other yeah, and you're yeah. doing that. So I wouldn't say that's the single most most time-consuming, but it's the single most important thing to me right okay, now. Okay, yeah, yeah. And my kids are getting older, and time when I get to ride with my kids is like I cherish that more than anything. Right, right. So I would say that's the most important yeah, time yeah. that I spend. Wow. And that, when I say riding, I'm talking about my, my pedal bike, my yeah, e-bike, just... and I'm a little bit of a freak because I love enduro mountain bike racing. Okay. It's like crazy about it and i'm super into it so just thinking about that all day yeah, every day yeah. is like taking right. up time from a business point of view um for sure intense is the most time yep that we're putting into right now and through our business uh christy lacroix my business partner we have another partner Werner castanauer uh, he, he lives in austria um and we spend a good chunk of our time at, with intense not actually at intense yeah, just but we have a pretty material investment in here and we uh, uh, you know, our ownership sake is large enough that this can be life-changing right right and it's something i'm super passionate about uh, i was telling my wife the other day i'm like i don't i don't know if somebody set this up like i'm not super into like higher power and all this different stuff but the word intense really connects with my personality yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i just love just, that word and right. what it stands for right. i love racing i love what this brand stands for and yeah. i can get pretty geeked out on stuff like that yeah, so sure. i love spending that time um we spend a ton of time on our coaching association. Probably the best thing I've ever done in my life and the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Okay. Why because is that? Yeah. It's not like it is never going to be something that anybody's going to pay us a bunch of money to do. Right. It just isn't. And it's it sucks right up a lot of time. Though, right? it, it, it yeah. is the most fulfilling thing I yeah. do. Probably second, actually, I love the Kurt Caselli Foundation work that we do okay. and the chance to work with Little D as our president and, and Nancy and family and it, that's very rewarding. Yeah. Um, the coaching association stuff, it's humbling and rewarding at the same time, you know, and you recognize, you know, how lucky we were when people helped us learn how to ride and yeah. the, all of the positive influences that we had on our life and trying to be part of giving back. It's incredible. Right. Um, we have, we're now at 233 coaches in the U S alone. And if you just think about the average coach works on, you know, skills building to advanced racing, but the average coach probably works with between 75 and a hundred people. Yep. And you take, you know, 233 times a hundred, you're starting to impact real numbers of people yep. and you're doing really good stuff. So I love it. It's for sure more time consuming than I ever expected. It's absolutely not a financial decision to yeah, do yeah, that one, yeah. but it's the right thing for the industry. And, and I was um, telling Christy yesterday, 
one of my things is in order to stay relevant, you got to, you got to study what's going on in the industry. You have to pay attention to the trends and the data and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, with COVID, like we were talking about, the number one winner has been trail bikes, TTRs, KLXs, CRFs, and two thirds of the overall motorcycle increase, two thirds of it was that class of motorcycles. And of that, it's mostly kids mostly kids that are new riders. So yep. it's like, man, we have the biggest opportunity. Yeah. This is literally COVID has presented the single largest opportunity. The motorcycle industry's had since probably the seventies or eighties. Yeah. Well, I think we, you and I were talking about it one time last year or whatever. And, and I never, I read, I get the press releases. I read about them. I see what's going on. You know what I mean? I see certified coaches and I see what's, go, what, you know, here's where you can go to, to learn how to ride a motorcycle properly or, or yep. do whatever. And then I just, I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm just, I'm just balls deep in moto and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so, but then we just like, you know, I'm like, what's it all about one time? I don't know how we would. And he, he was like, you go to ski hill. Yeah. You get taught how to ski. You, you, you go to, uh, action park, New Jersey. Oh, they'll show you. Not how- even go there. They'll, they'll kill you. <laughs> you but, can be new at any sport, even as an adult. And find someone yeah, who yeah, will but, make it but, very. You've never played golf before. You're a there, charity golf tournament. We'll show you how to do it. Here's your club in moto. It's there, there's nothing. You don't know. You're a moron. Right. Oh, right. it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's an anti culture. Yeah. Like, yeah. Get and out of here. You like you have to learn by crashing and rub some dirt into it. It just right? makes so much sense that like, hey man, hey you got a little bike. You want to learn how to ride motorcycles, uh, motocross? Here, here's somebody uh, that will teach you the right way. And has certification, and will take you to the right place, and will work with you. Like it makes so much sense. It's almost like, why didn't we have this before? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's a like I said, it's a passion thing. Yeah. We just launched um, a little bit ago our our website that's meant to be like consumer facing motorcyclecoaching.org. Okay. We had to build the coaches network yep. to be able to turn on the website yep. to go find a coach. Yeah. Okay. And we're on our way. Our target is 500 coaches over the next two years, and you know, being able to promote the positives around coaching, the positives yeah. on coaching environment and you think i mean think about other stick and ball sports how many like mentorship experiences have you watched where this coach had such an impact on this young player who did such and such and in our sport we kind of shun those guys just nothing nothing. and like of course like of course it's a great idea like it's he was explaining to me like the way i'm like yeah that's a great idea (laughs) i i have spent time with coaches my whole life I also realized through my journey that I'm a terrible yeah. coach, actually. Okay. All right. I had to adjust my way because yeah, I had yeah. that rub some dirt on it kind right. of thing. Like, right. yell at right. my kid harder. Right. Wow, look who your dad is. He's, He's yell at Yell at yes. me harder. Yes. You know, yes. that kind of thing. And it's eight like. Eight-time Enduro National Enduro Eight-time champion? National yep. Enduro right. champ. Right. And, got, and he also did six days that same eight years in gold medal, the same exact yeah, eight yeah, years. Yeah, so yeah. it was all pretty cool stuff. And but didn't he, in the earliest days of AMA Moto? He was, he was, he was, I think it was 1970. He was the first actual AMA motocross champion, which Uh, at that time was the scrambles or something. No, it was called the trans AMA series. Yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, actually Raj was doing, uh, and those guys were coming over and they were doing stuff at that time too. And it was part of an initiative that Husqvarna did trying to bring motocross over here. And so there was a bunch of Europe's Europeans that came over, but I can see, from knowing your dad from the parts unlimited rides that we would do when I was at parts unlimited <laughs> or whatever, like if you survived them, yeah, yeah, yeah. like your dad was a no nonsense, gnarly kind of dude. So yep. that's how you grew up. Rub some dirt on it, quit, yep. cr- quit crying, right? But my oldest is a as a girl, okay, and I learned pretty quickly like that doesn't work. And, <laughs> and it, I I just can't. I made a commitment to myself as a parent. I was like, I'm not gonna not give my kids access to what I love, which yep. is at that time, dirt bikes was yep. everything to me. Mountain bikes has gotten pretty much 50-50 for me now. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Literally 50-50. But it, 
you know, that commitment to like, Hey, I got to help my kids. And a guy we all know, Nathan Ramsey. I mean, I went through coach after coach after coach struggling to find yeah. a good coach. And, um, somebody recommended I reach out to, um, uh, Nathan. So I talked to Nate and the, the funny th- story about it was my wife, cause I was working at KTM, right? You're working full time. Like I got to leave my kid with this guy. Yeah. And my yeah. wife's like, who the hell's this guy? Nate Ramsey. <laughs> I don't know this guy. And I'm like, he stood on a podium with like the most iconic people. Are yeah, you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, he yeah. beat Ricky Carmichael, yeah, you know, Detroit dog. Yeah. Nate dog. Like, are you kidding me? And she's like, I got to talk to this guy. And she talks to him for probably 45 minutes. And all he talked about was the coaching experience that he had from his son being a basketball coach yeah. and a football coach. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the, the right. coaching techniques he learned. And there was never a question, does this guy know how to teach dirt bikes? Yeah. Is he a good mentor for my right. kid? Those right. are the questions yeah. my kid yeah. wanted, my, my, my wife wanted. And when you look at, like, their code of values, our code of ethics, it's much more about mentorship. It's much more about behavioral yep. and making sure that we teach the love of the sport of right, motorcycling. Right. It's first not and so foremost. much keep your elbow up. It's not, you know, I mean, I mean yes, you want to keep your elbow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, for but, sure. Yeah. There's some of that. But like, yeah. if, if I just make you miserable because you're doing drills all day long right. and I forget yeah. to enjoy it. Yes, yes. I had a really good soccer coach teach me one time or t- tell me one time. He's like, dude, teach people to love the sport first. Yeah. Teaching them the technique becomes so much easier yeah. if you taught them to love it first. Right. And I think that's to the core of what we want to do. We want to. Yeah build our network of there, there's amazing coaches by the way we aren't creating coaches we're just trying to build a network to recognize just, the yeah, amazing hey, work that they're doing let's get together let's make yeah. sure we're teaching sort of the same things and the values yep. and, and then here you go in your area right yep. yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and everybody has their own twist on it their right. own secret sauce and yep. you know that's great and i love it but our main thing is you're teaching them to be safe you're teaching them to love the sport and be good as a person for the time they spend yeah. as a motorcyclist. And if we can align on those values, yeah. then let's go talk to the world about this amazing sport we got. Uh, I remember going to one of the early meetings for that and everyone was scared because, you know, we only look at the sport at the tip of the spear highest level. And we think of these coaches as actually rivals in a way. So yeah. it was like, how are you going to get all these guys yeah. in a room yeah. to agree on anything when they really are opposed to each other? And what I learned quickly was, well, we're only seeing these five Loretta's guys that want to win all the titles. There are all these specialists. I only teach kids. I only teach yep. road racing, track days for beginners. There was many more niches and layers to it than I realized. But have you had any of the conflict of, well, this guy's fighting my business. I don't want to work with him. Not really. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to do this for the right reason, I think. So it's not been that difficult. Right. Um, yeah. Actually, on the on the sport bike side, it's been a little tougher. There's a oh. couple of I'll call them secret sauce issues around. Okay, yeah. we'll call it around breaking and cornering things. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that people <laughs> yeah, yeah. go nuts about, right? They're okay. so you got to kind of stay away from that. But right. other than that, we've been able to do pretty good. And actually, like I'm I'm proud as heck. I got an email over the weekend from a guy by the name of Keith Code, and this guy in the road racing world is God. Yeah, I mean, he wrote the yeah. first books. I, I, name sounds familiar. Yes. He, you you yeah. got to look him up in the California Superbike School, and we work with the guys at, at, at Yamaha Champ School, the Champion School. And I, I mean, I just feel like, you know, with, with Keith and, and um, Nick over at Champ School and Dylan and, and um, also Keith at Cal Superbike School, we're talking about programs that do over a thousand and in some cases over multiple thousands of riders a year. Yeah. And each of their, their infrastructures have, you know, tens of coaches, mm. in some cases in tens of countries. So you're talking about big organizations and they agree, hey, we're not going to, we're not, we're, yeah. this isn't all lovey-dovey, but we're not going to fight. You know, yeah. it's like build a commonality for growing the sport. If we can build commonality out of that, yeah. we're good. And I, I'm just so proud of being able to work with those guys. And oh, like I was cool. saying earlier, yeah. man, it, it's opened my eyes about how, you know what, how kind of 
difficult we are as an industry for somebody that wants to come in. And yep. I, one on my journey, one experience I had, my kid played high school hockey because um, I'm originally from the Midwest. Right. So I'm living in, you know, in Temecula. My kids got to drive to San Diego to play hockey. I'm at a hockey match, high school hockey, right? And not what you would think of as like the gentlest sport. Right. And we're in, you know, between the, well, you're Canadian, so you know, you know this. So after the first period, we got a little break and Supercross is on yep. in, the, in the little center between the ice. And I'm like, hey, we're putting Supercross on. And there were some playoffs at the time. I think Red Wings are playing yeah. or something, you know, Michigan yeah. team and all that. So pr- probably to my complete shock, I was so zoned in on Supercross and I knew I only had a couple of minutes. I was trying to right. catch up and I'm sitting there and I'm watching and then, okay, second period's coming. So I got to get back up out of my world and go pay attention to my yeah. kids hockey game. And I look around, there's like seven kids packed around me. Oh yeah. Watching yeah, yeah. Supercross. Yeah. Just thinking it's the coolest freaking thing in the world. And then I became a kind of aware and I hear this mom telling another mom, like, God, those nuts. Right? Yeah. Those motorcycle yeah, people crazy. are crazy. Yeah. I'd never let my kid do that. And I'm at a hockey match where yeah. you're bashing on each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. thinking, yeah. what's the difference? Right, right. What's the difference? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the main difference is there's coaches and refs and there's an infrastructure to right. keep us kind of on our toes. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Is no, hockey cheap? No. No. Oh, yeah, no, it, especially exactly. not in Southern California. Yeah, no, for sure. You're right. No, it, it makes perfect sense. So, so that's, like you said, that's a love affair more than a, uh, it a is. business for you as far as that goes. Like that, it's, it's, MotorcycleCoaching.org is yeah. our forward-facing website. Yeah. Anybody that's looking to get their kid into the sport, right. I really encourage you to go do it. And th- this is one of those things where the investment word is doesn't apply to money. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's an investment in in yeah. your life, right. in your kids, and in a, a sport. I believe on our side, it's an investment in the future of our sport. Right. Uh, Fly Racing, Racer X podcast with uh, John Eric Burleson here. Uh, thanks to the folks at Fly Racing, of course, flyracing.com. Official gear is Zach Osborne, 450 motocross champion. And not going to win a supercross race, according Apparently, to JT. Apparently, according to JT. Five racing's own JT. J- yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very, very not big Not respecting Zacho. Right. Unbelievable. Uh, thanks to those guys for coming on board. Justin Brayton wearing the Zone Pro goggle and the Formula helmet now in 2021 as well. Thanks to the motorsport.com guys for coming on board. So, yeah, simply just uh, go, click through the banner on pulpamex.com. Takes you to motorsport and uh, get, get a great deal, get a get great price on there. Renthal, renthal.com. Uh, grab life by the bars. More championships by Renthal than all the other brands combined. Weech. I don't know if you know that, but... Only from your show, so rent, that's what you've rent, done. Rental rent bars back there in that shop back there. Yeah, or some rental bars. Yeah, rental mountain bike bars. Oh, yeah. uh, come, come standard issue on the intense Taser MX. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my pedal bike's got rental bars on it too. Is it really? Okay. Oh yeah, um, right. rental stem. Paid a premium for that one. I had to pay retail. 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 Oh, yeah, we, we got, got connections. Get, yeah, we got to figure this out for you. Uh, thanks to the folks at Coba Links as well. Lower your bike, uh, make it suit your bike a little better. CobaLinks.com. Please check them out on the web. And uh, of course, thank the folks at uh, Maxis Tires. Of course, A Ray. Rod Bell using Max's tires out there. Um, all right, so uh, Jeb, let's. Um, you had a job of being maybe one of the most powerful people in the industry as president of KTM. President? I was president. Yeah, yeah. president of KTM. Um, um, massively successful in that way. You were part of the team that brought over Roger DeCoster and Ryan Dungey and that success, and and you did great things in the off road world for years and still continues to. And you just left. You just didn't like it. You didn't <laughs> want to do that anymore. And that, to me, is mystifying because uh, there's, as you said, there's six uh, companies that control everything in motocross, and you were one of the six guys that got to make decisions on this kind of stuff. And, and I have no doubt that you were paid well for it, too. Uh, so why did you decide to step back? What, what was the decision behind that? Well, 
first and foremost. I mean, you're with me, Reach, right? It's kind of crazy. I mean, I, 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 I just to be this, clear, yeah, forever, yeah. and I had a lot of other people asking. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. right. Of, I think I've yeah. asked you, and I still don't get it. Right. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you know, you gotta you got to put yourself in my shoes from a life perspective, yep. right? My first job out of, other than in college, I worked at a tire store and had okay. a really good mentor boss there, but I was not okay. tires. Yeah. My next job was as a sales rep for KTM, and right. I had never worked anyplace else. And you work to a place where, you know, and, and we talked about this earlier, like I was just supposed to be a finance guy. I went to graduate school. Mm -hmm. I put a concentration in finance and because my former boss in 05 passed away in a very short period of time, I was thrust into this role of president. It wasn't part of my plan. Yeah. It just happened. And then, yeah. you know, I, I would tell you that I did it for the job or I would tell you I did it for this reason. I would tell you, you do for all these reasons, but you do it for your own integrity. Mm -hmm. And I did everything I could. I put absolutely everything that I could into that job. Yep. I, I left nothing on the table that I feel like I didn't give. And I had a lot of, you know, a, a lot of obligation to great people that it helped me mm -hmm. in my career that I felt like, dude, I got to do this for them. And um, right around, it must've been 2012 or something. I started kind of feeling like, I don't know, I've been doing this a long time. Yep. I was president from 05 until um, 17. 2017. Yep. Yep. Along that journey, um, Rod Bush got inducted into the hall of fame. And I remember like walking back from the hall of fame ceremony and it was just like this massive weight was gone, but also this like, what next? Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I was, I was pretty, I was having a hard time. I didn't yep. know what I was going to do. And I, I wasn't going to leave the company at that time, but I just had this like, man, wow. I, I, I kind of had this realization, like, shoot, I've been doing everything with all of these goals yeah. and I kind of achieved them. Now what next, right? And then pretty quickly after, um, yeah, that's even hard to talk about. Uh, Kurt was killed, at, you know, poof, yeah, race in Baja. Right. And it was a decision that nobody supported except uh, uh, Ante Kalanen, who's the off-road team yep. manager. Yep. Kurt and myself, we said, let's do this. Austria said, we don't think you should. Oh, really? We okay. said, wow. it's dangerous yep. as hell. Pitt yep. was pretty negative on it, which he, he was right. It's yep. dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you know Kurt, that you don't tell him no. Yeah, yeah. When he says he wants to do something, you go do it. Here's how I'm going to help you do that. And when he passed away, man, it hurt. It hurt really bad, and it still hurts, yeah. obviously. And you know, you you just you kind of think about that, and I it gave me a little more boost. It gave okay. me a little more like shit. I have stuff I got to do. I have to do good by the off road community. I had like I, right. I just felt like I had stuff to do. That was 13, and you get you know. Fast forward to 17, you, it's, I think it probably is not that dissimilar to racing. Like if you've hit every goal and you yeah. hit every target and you've defined yourself and you, you know, I'm not going to claim I'm vain, but occasionally you Google yourself and everything about you is orange. <laughs> everything about you is orange. Yeah, yeah. You've hit every goal you could have possibly imagined times 10. And I'm not saying I'm awesome. I was just yeah, lucky to just, be part of a great team. Yeah. And you think, man, I, you know what? One, if I'm going to go out, I want to go out on top. 100%. Like, I could not at that time imagine anything other than, like, man, I, f I feel like I did yeah. what I needed to do. Yeah. And I also Sales are great. Off-road uh, off winning. Yeah. Motocross, Supercross winning. Just and think of where they were. Yeah, yeah. At one time, yeah. as you know. Right. When right. I was yeah. a sales rep, we couldn't sell, a, at that time, two-stroke. We couldn't sell 252-stroke two, bikes to save our butts, right? right. Like yeah. We, yeah. we were not cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we were, were on top at 17. Yeah, I, it was like, yeah. 2017, it's like, man, I, I feel pretty good. Right. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. And there's this other thing where you also start feeling, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess maybe I'm a power sports guy. Maybe I'm an American. Maybe you want to call it a combination, all those things. But there's this like, 
you know, at some point in the day, like I'm me. Yeah. I'm not orange. Yeah. yeah. I'm me. Yeah. I'm John Eric yeah. and I want to have control of my own destiny. And with that, you got to take some risks. Right. And I felt, you know, pretty committed that I wanted to take some risks and I needed to, for my own self integrity. Yeah. I had to prove to myself that I could be successful right. without just riding this orange wave that was part of a great team and a great company. Yep. But I gotta I gotta do something for myself. You know? Mm, and interesting. Yeah. That was scary. I made a, a pretty key Hella mistake. Scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean in, in a way, you when you have confidence in yourself, you know, like if you look at, you know, I'm I have good education, I have good background in business and you know, I'm, at the time I was whatever, I was 44, 43 yeah. years old, pretty employable. And I, I would be lying if I didn't say I thought about my age. So if you think about this industry and you want to get a job or change at 55 to 60, yeah, good freaking luck. I, yeah. I hate to say that. Like, yeah. I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to be, yeah. you know, negative, but dude, it's hard, right? There's a lot of wily old veterans that, yeah. you know, and I, I, I saw some guys working for some of the Japanese companies that... In my day, they were the, the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think it's probably appropriate to mention these names, but, you know, these guys that were on the AMA Pro yeah. board. Yeah, you know, yeah. all the power. Dude, all, all that, the power. Yeah, yeah. And then, man, when their time was up, dude, they were done, and they are like, you know, I think doing I know these who you're, gigs. I think I know a couple of who you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah exactly. and you look at that and you, and you go, I yeah. can't do that. You just gave your life yeah. to, to, the, to this yep. OEM, and, and, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't. I have to I have to honor myself yeah. and my who I want to be and even if I'm the if if stepping off a of KTM would have been or becomes the biggest failure of my life I'm okay with that because yeah. I did it because I wanted to control my own destiny yeah. and I think that's you know that's kind of the power sports guy in yeah, me and yeah. that's the motorcycle yeah. guy in sure. me and that's probably a pretty american guy yeah. side of me too yeah. we literally had this conversation we have it many times we had it this morning as we're going we always say that there's two types of people in this industry and this is a very competitive field both business and it is also racing right there are people that this is just where i work and there are people who feel like they won the race and or they own the company even though they yeah. don't and it always makes us laugh sometimes that people get so attached. Because we're the opposite. We're, we are an entrepreneur. Yeah, see? yeah. I think it's good. Like, yeah. I look up to guys like you. Like, God yeah. dang, man, that guy freaking controls his own destiny. You just, you just talk shit yeah. on riders. It's easy. That, it's yeah, fun. that's true. It's easy. But, dude, you're, but, you, no, you no, own yeah, your yeah. own destiny. Yeah, yeah. And yes, absolutely. you have to appease absolutely. sponsors. And, yes, yeah, you have yeah. to do this. But, right. dude, at the end of the day, yeah. you made right. you. Right. You put a team around you. You made you. You made pulp what it is today. I and could, I, I, man, hats well, off to you. That is you. cool as hell. I appreciate it. I just could never be like the, what we just saying, just selling your soul to a company to turn around the next morning and you're You you're can out. be laid off at any time or they could go out of business at any yeah. time and you've wrapped your entire identity up in that. Your identity is that part. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I mean, right. I, I don't, I don't think I was ever at risk of being fired if I say that. Right. I probably didn't. Yeah. No. Doesn't no. come across my mind. But I behaved mentally. Yeah. Every day I thought I was getting fired. And that was my, yeah, yeah, my yeah. way of like firing myself up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And when you kind of see this stuff and you get into your forties and you start looking around and it's like, dude, that's, that's not me. Yep. I'm not, I'm not that company. Yep. I'm me. Yep. And I got a very high appreciation. I have an extreme high appreciation for entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship. Yep. I wouldn't consider myself an entrepreneur. I consider myself a, a good business operator. Right. And I just want to help entrepreneurs. You know, when I look at Steve, uh, Jeff Steber, the CEO and founder of intense. Yeah. Dude, the brand he created is incredible. The work he did, yeah. incredible. Yeah. The business we stepped the, uh, into, the, was, the it's a lifestyle brand, right? It's it a, is. It, it was back in the day, and and now it's just it's 
it was it, Jeff created something. Jeff created a, a, an um, an emotion. You know, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And when you yes, yeah. And I want like I want to live to the name that's on the down tube of yeah. that bike. It's yeah. intense. I want to live to that. Yeah, it's yeah. just you know. Yeah. And when I look at our our you know role here, it's to help him ultimately live to the legacy that he rightly deserves. Right. I would never want to be the CEO of this company. I would never do that. That's not my job. Jeff is the CEO. He's yeah. the founder. Do we help with a lot of business decisions? Yeah, yeah. that's our role. Yeah, he's busy making frames. Making frames. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> the minute that you put yourself – my job, I believe, is to see the amazing entrepreneurs out there and never put myself in front of them. I'm there to put myself to support them. Yeah. And you know, Jason and I were talking about this earlier – I think if you really took and you know flip through a, a parts unlimited catalog and look at all the companies in there and look at all of them that were formed in the seventies and eighties yeah. and look at all of them that are probably going to go through an ownership change in the next 10 years. Yeah. There's a lot of legacy people that have done amazing things and I just want to see them be successful. Right. I want to do it, you know, one company at a time and sure. with, with a, a brand like intense, I have that opportunity to just help and do it for the right reasons. And it's not that I have any, you know, negative. I, I love the guys at KTM. What an yeah. amazing, yeah, yeah. cool company. But I want to make my own well, success. And I, I also, I have to say, I had to prove to myself that I could, that I wasn't just an orange guy. I could do other I, things. I would have never left because it's a big salary and you're really super important. I would have just stayed there. I would have ridden I, it out. I am risk averse. Right. I don't know if I could have done it. I don't know if but I could have done it. But you can't, yeah. you can't live, you know, and there were periods the last couple of years, like we would go to, Sales and marketing meetings, as an example, yeah. they would put all the, you know, all the last couple of years of KTM. You're talking yeah. About. yeah, yeah, and yeah. they'd put all yeah. the guys and the gals in these certain rooms, and I'd get this room on the top of the building, and it never felt good to me. I, I, I was just yeah, like, dude, yeah, I didn't yeah, earn this, yeah. I didn't deserve this. I work with a hundred plus people that crush it right. and make me look good right, every right, day, right. right? You know, and you start thinking, like, man, I, I don't know, that doesn't feel right. I just <laughs> wanted to be able to what be, I want to be able to prove to myself that I can achieve. It's part yeah. of that entrepreneur what, thing. What was that phone call or email to Pierre like to say? I didn't actually speak to him. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It was Mr. Trunkenpultz. Trunkenpultz. Okay. And uh, that was rough. The T in KTM. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very difficult couple of months. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, wow. And really, you know, I, I appreciate everything those guys gave to me. Yeah. Um, I'd be lying if I tell you I have a conversation with Mr. Trunkenpultz anymore. Yeah, yeah. I haven't spoken to him since. Right. That's not because I wouldn't want to, yeah, but I just, just, I mean, it's just, yeah. it is what it no, is. It's it life. Is. Yeah. Um, and you know what? When you, when you look at it at the end of the day, you're, you're, I, I just want to look at my whole life, my whole career is, did I put more into the industry than I took out? You take out in salary, you take out in Bennies yeah. and you take out in bikes and you take out in yeah. pride and ego and all this different stuff. Did I just, even if it's one percent more, did I put more in yeah. than I took out? And can I stand on my own two feet and say I, I yeah, did well did by it. the time yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, that's 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 awesome. Um, and you struck me when you said you had your job as a tire guy, but then you went into the sales rep for KTM. <laughs> but you struck me as like, yeah, like I kind of get it. Like you were at KTM when they were tapioca bikes. And or or white bikes before that even my, like, it was butterscotch yeah. was my first butterscotch year. okay yep. so butterscotch was and your my first, first year. project was selling 1995 Husabergs that was my like <laughs> hey dude we got a couple hundred of these things and you got to move them 
Listen, oh God, uh, that was Smets difficult. Smets just did really well on one of these <laughs> yeah, yeah. GPs. So you, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smets crushed it. Smets okay, crushed who's that? it. Yeah, right. That really resonates over <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, and so the success you saw with KTM, and, and, and we'll get into a little bit of our shared time because I was on team, first factory team, uh, you know, was in 2000. I was on that team for a couple of years. But, um, and you grew, and you watched through yourself, your own work, and the, and the help of hundreds of others, you watch this thing just grow into this giant monolith. Um, what was it like to, what was the, I'll get to Dungeon Raj in a second, but what was the turning point? Like 2000 was KTM factory team, like I talked about. Kelly Smith. Maybe it was me and Kelly Smith winning. Maybe that was a turning point. I think it's clear. Well, yes. and I, I will but, take credit for bringing Kelly Smith to KTM. Yeah. I will absolutely do that as my regional rider in sure. 1996 right. and 1997. Um, we won the District 14 Michigan Motocross Championship, which is a pretty big deal, I got to say. <laughs> what was the turning point uh, for you um, that the, the, the thing started? Like, hey, we're not just a weird old brand. Like, Moen used to say, Moen would be like, hey, you know, Moen. Just wait till you go to the races. You're gonna get all these guys coming up to you that are just gonna tell you, oh, they're all about weirdo KTM guys. Like they just, they just, <laughs> they, they've been KTM fans forever, and they don't like any Japanese bikes, and, and they're out there, they're out there. And I'm like, okay, but when did you start seeing everybody coming to KTM? Was it GNCC success? Was it a model uh, that came out? Was it a sales figure? Uh, there, there's no one. No defining okay. moment. I think yeah, yeah. that all of a sudden they made it, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were a lot of major decisions that were made in Europe during the financial crisis that I give those guys huge okay. credits yeah, for. Yeah. Mr. Pirer had courage that I don't think any of us will ever really understand. As far as going more, deeper, or building, or oh, yeah. investment. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the world's falling apart, yeah. you know, and we're laying off people, and they decided they were going to invest in motocross and R&D and yep. develop additional products. Right. and. At that time, it seemed crazy, but as the market came back, our you know at that time the R and D pipeline was pretty full. Yep. And everybody else had gone. You know, the Japanese they have a little longer pipeline or yep. a little longer timeline as well. Yep. So when they put it on pause, the outbound. I mean, they were three years behind when yep. we came out of yeah, that thing, yeah. and he doubled down in that time. And yep. I mean, what an incredible courageous thing to do. Sure. Yeah. When you think about it, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's much after what we were talking about, but yeah, I get it. Um, I mean, it was cool, but. No offense to your amazingness. Um, I, mean, I, I think in the early 2000s, we were seen as buying our way. You know, we bought our way to riders. We, we bought our way in. We high points, though. He did win high point. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It cost he us some money to affect it. the weather because that was a pretty muddy race, you know. I remember but it, it, it was dry. The customer, a good mechanic to get through a mud race. Right. The customer assumed we bought our way. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, the reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The customer yeah, assumed yeah. we bought our way right. in. And we just kept buying our way. And we were just kept buying our way and kept buying our way. I think when that product came out, that was good. One personal moment that I just remember I had a really I felt terrible um in 2008 we decided to cancel the KTM Junior Supercross Challenge and it's just yeah. like yeah. the legacy of that and what it yeah. was and just all the kids and just like oh what a jerk I am for having to do that right like what a terror like and this is for Grinch. financials you had to yeah. do it yeah. Yep. yeah I mean it was a really expensive program when yeah. you the, the Feld fees and operating fees right. and it was like running a team yep. plus you had to pay Feld for the yeah. space right yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. so it was it was pretty gnarly um, decision. And then three years later, we decided to bring it back. Yep. And, um, we got to go up at, uh, we were at UNLV, you know, for this, for Samboy stadium and the press conference. And I got to go up and Dunge was with me. Yeah. And, um, at the time I didn't know him that well, but it was just pretty cool because he represented yeah. the future. And yeah. I, all of a sudden, you know, sitting in there and talking about it, and he, he went through KGSC yeah. actually, yep. I think he got second. Um, 
I think maybe he got second, maybe he got third, but it was a, yeah. a success, yeah. right, as yeah. a kid, and yeah. then he, see, he comes up. So all of a sudden, for me, it, got, it connected this dot that we weren't that little mini bike company anymore. We weren't that off-road company anymore. That right. we had we had all of the pillars, and this is specific to dirt bikes. We had all of the pillars that were coming together that you could be a fan of it all and be, and be mm-hmm. truly believing that shoot these guys got it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it like? How does the process of luring Dunge and Raj and Ian away from Suzuki to KTM, and and I did a little story and I talked to some people back then when that I mean that bike was an older platform, you know what I mean? Like the motor was an older platform. Like hey, we we got to make a competitive 454 stroke right out of the gate because we have Ryan Dungey and yep. Roger DeCoster here, and this bike isn't quite there yet. But we'll you know I remember being a media guy and being like I don't think their bike's going to be on par for a while like it, it will be eventually but not right out of the gate and it, it pretty much it goes was. back to what you said i think our observation was they bought it yep. they just signed dungy for more money and they bought their way in and there's yep. no way this will be successful yeah. quickly which we were wrong so, about that but so what do you remember about that that yeah. well for, first i want to make sure it's yeah. clear i had nothing to do with dungy i yeah. had nothing to do with roger coming to the company i just got okay. to got to feel the part of making yeah. sure that it worked right like, okay that was, that was but like, you were but when were you hearing about this or well we were it? talking about it you know it was ongoing and Pitt was working with okay. roger to bring him okay. on and then the yep. dream of course was through roger then come dungy like you yep. can naturally go down that path yeah. but what what I really take away from it is, I think Roger will tell you pretty openly. Like the first couple of months, he was like, "Oh God, oh I really? Yeah, yeah." <laughs> He's pretty open about that. Like, yeah. "Oh God, I made a mistake. These right. guys got nothing." Yeah, and you know, it was just that. Put your head down. Yeah. Do work. Yeah. You can't think six months out and think about big ideas. You got to get the blocking and tackling of the everyday work done. And what I learned most from him and Ian together was their commitment to product. Like they worked on that bike yeah. to make that thing good. You know, at the time they had um, Alessi and and Andrew Short yep. actually built that up. You know, we had the 250 program that was more successful. Yeah, MDK had gone away for so there was no KTM effort for a couple of years there. There was, there was, there was a very short period where um, we had Tommy Searle. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right, Tommy yep. Searle. Yep, yep. Um, good, good enough kid. Yeah. not necessarily a Supercross yep. stud. Right, you know. And there was a period of time there where we were even, you know, at that time Kurt Nickel was still with us, and yep. it was like, you know. Is it going to be Tommy and are we going to do R&D rides with Mike Sleater? Like, how are we going to stay in this space, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, we got to yeah. do this. And then Austria came on board. Yeah. And as it started going, um, the cool part for me was just to see their commitment to the product. Are, and you, then, are you fighting for that budget from Austria? Is that your deal? Are you are you saying, hey, we got to stay in racing here. We need to be. Yes. That like, was is, that, a, is that you? That calling? was a 20-year discussion. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a 20-year right, discussion. Right. And just trying to show the value of it, and it was hard. It, you know, and, and, all the way back to the early 2000s, yeah. I even think management thought, you guys are just buying it, yeah, yeah, which yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. So we're really, the, the, the flip turn and where, where I felt like I really got to engage with those guys a lot was they started working on a new motor, and the guys in R&D came up with this cool new motor and yeah. this cool new thing, and they got Dungy on the test track, and everybody was super excited, and yeah. it's like, yep, we want to go race this thing, and this is going to be awesome, and you get that call. And th- I got that call in, let's call it, October. I'm going to say October. Okay. My yeah. memory could be off by a month. Get that call in October. Hey, we're going racing. This thing's going to be awesome. Dunge. We're going to sign the whole thing. Ever yeah. Epic. We got a problem. Okay, cool. What's that problem? We got this thing called homologation. Yeah. Oh, sh- Nike's like, yeah. what are we going to do about that? Right. And that's where oh, there was plenty of OEMs upset. Other OEMs upset. Well, that's, for sure. And, and dude, yeah. the, the team yeah. and you know, we worked on it together 
and the team came up with that concept of the factory edition, yeah. which was not what I loved about that project was it was not a BNG, yeah. make this thing cool, put some cool colors on it. Right, this right. was shit. Take the the most leading edge technology we can make it production right. to make the at least the production rules happen and make um, it happen for, for December 1st. Cause let's not forget my buddy Moen used the work spike exemption for Lance Snail. Oh, Lance Snail. <laughs> Oh God! It's an Mo- absolutely true statement. Yeah, yeah. Mo and, and they had, thought they had that, and yeah. that's why I got the call. It's like, oh shit! Oh, hey, Mo- oh, they were operating thinking they still yeah. had a work exemption. Mo yeah. and just was like, ah, let's go take like Lance five forty or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, let's just oh, take Lance God. to this. I was talking to Rod. I had a call from Roger, and I was in Columbus of all places, and it's yeah. like, hey, we got an AMA problem. Yeah. Well, what are we yeah. gonna do? And it's like we got to do this, and right. then I mean, Austria, they jumped through hoops. They did awesome. Yeah, yeah. Production, everything, and we ended up meeting all of the requirements. Yeah. And what I'm super pumped about the company, you know, years after I've left, they still have that factory yeah. edition. Yeah. They still live to the purity of that. It's like, man, what an amazing culture that that company built yeah. a ready to race motorcycle. And that I think is a, is a another inflection point you're kind of asking about. Yeah. Is like, yeah. holy crap, yeah, we just made a motorcycle production right to win a Supercross title. Well, that's and bitching. this is a, you're saying this is what two months. One month? No, no, that's not fair. I I would say that's not totally fair. It was probably, um, it was probably somewhere around October, and I don't remember the exact rule. Okay, you don't need to be homologated by January one. No, no, no. You have. uh, I thought you said December. Yeah, and we had to call it. You have to call it the current year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't call it the coming year. Right. You have to have twenty. I want to say I haven't read the rule book in forever, but you have to have like twenty five in. You have to have available to privateers. Like, there's yeah. staged rules. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we met every one of those. And in yep. a couple it, of them, it was like by the Herod of Virginia Chin Chin. <laughs> but it was cool, man. And that was like, that I think, at least for us internally in the company, it, we were believers. Yeah. It's like, dude, we it, just built a motorcycle to give Ryan Dungey the chance to win. He won at Phoenix. It blew our minds. Yeah, won at round two. Was it round two? Yeah, round, round two. two. Yep. And it was like, dude, yep. game on. Did you, be honest, did you think it would be that successful right off the bat? Like, were you hearing things that, hey, Dungeon Well, I was with the company when we signed McGrath. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) I I have, you know, that reservation of shit can happen. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, to the point of why I'm not even there anymore, it's like, the one thing I'll never do is live my life in fear. Yeah. I'm never going to live in fear. So, if I'm afraid something's going to happen, I have to, like, sit myself down and talk about, okay, what are the opportunities how am I going to be bullish? How, how's this going to happen? And so I, I don't know that I ever thought about it Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We had those concerns yeah, and yeah. we had contingency plans, yeah. but I but, never, but, but kinda, I never sat back and worried yeah, like, yeah. Oh God, we're going to die. If this doesn't like, work. It, like you never thought it's going to be a McGrath thing. You never thought it's going to be a, um, a Bradshaw, like, or not Bradshaw. No, I didn't. I'm and of, I, I think another guy that came back and failed or whatever, but yeah. I, the biggest difference was meeting and learning and having the, such, I, I did get such an incredible opportunity to walk, work with Ian and Roger yeah. on a pretty deep level and Pitt and Robert Jonas in, in Austria. And yeah. just to see their fundamental commitment to make sure that yeah. bike was just, best. This is what's going to happen. It's like, right. Oh crap, right. we're going to do this. This right. is going to be awesome. Because and you remember, I mean, we were scraping together nickels. We had a liquor company, you know, yeah. it was, yeah. it was there for a period the of time. Jagermeister we, jump yeah, show. The Jagermeister. Uh, Jagermeister. I mean, it was like, dude, well, we were doing everything we could yeah. to fund that thing. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, you, you you just can't give up. You know, I, when, when I was there for a couple of years, you know, it, it felt like, yeah, we just got bikes, production bikes, and it was Moen, and then it was Harry Nolte. And, like, the frames were different, and the swing arms were a little different, like, measuring-wise, when we put them on. It was just a production <laughs> thing, a quality of production. Wood screws, 13 millimeters. Yeah. Uh, it was weirdo stuff that were like, these, we're a factory. I mean, we're a factory. Yeah. 
but this isn't a factory team. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like this is the early years. So to you know, I think when I was in the media at that point, I'm like they they they're not factory, but that's obviously long. Like you know what I mean? They, they yeah, are that was now, pre. Yeah. I mean that was Nick Nick Way MDK. Remember yeah, Nick yeah. was yeah, um, yeah. pretty hard on. Yeah. Love Nick by the way, super yeah. cool kid. But he was pretty hard on us for the woods crews yeah. holding the, yeah, the shrouds yeah, to the yeah. gas no, tank we, kind of just, thing. And it was so different from my experience there to to Ryan Dungey winning Supercross races, right? Like it was such a different feel. There were two or three phases there, yeah. and yeah. and this is this is also a learning about an industry is like when Austria wanted to make stuff happen, stuff happened. When you had the power of the factory behind you, yeah. you could make stuff happen. And, yeah. You know, more around the time when Grant Langston came over and some yeah. stuff happened, it was like, cool, man, we're going to make some stuff happen. Yeah. yeah. Mostly the Supercross effort had kind of ins and outs. Right. And again, Mr. Pirer is probably the most courageous guy from a business point of view that right. I've ever met right. and, and admire. When he decided after the financial crisis, they were all in, yeah. they were all they're, in. They're, and then it was like, yeah, this is real. So if to you, that's a turning point in KTM success to you. That That's, yeah, yeah that's, that's. And, it, and right. if there was, if there was a person that I would say, I mean, you, you, I just, I really look at Pure as being incredible beyond words. Yeah. Inside of racing, Pitt Byrer and what he's been able to mm -hmm. do. He's, he's a very aggressive personality. Yeah. Um, look up to him. Like you can't believe the guy, you look at what they've done in MotoGP. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's all. Yeah, no. I mean, if there is a single he, he guy that you can more be, than I do, but yeah, you you, you just got to go, man. Hats off to that guy, I, and I, especially coming from a you know a career-ending injury that right. put him in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. to be able to take that mindset and be like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna still win. Yeah, yeah. He's a winner. Uh, somebody told me about you and your. Uh, I was probably saying, I can't believe he left KTM. Like, <laughs> but somebody told me about you. In the end, when you're in a position like that, you're not ultimately calling all the shots no you're, you're making a decision and then your decision could get overruled in the morning from austria they are the ultimate bosses and that's where the company is founded and, and so they were telling me that you were probably frustrated because you were not able to do everything you wanted to do because austria was like nah we're not going to do that and you were like wait a minute i'm the president but no no like, i mean is that is how much of that is true or how much of that is you know like it's hard to say because the whole thing happens over time there's yeah. no one incident yeah, yeah, you yeah, know what i mean yeah. and y yes there were periods of time where you'd have you know an intern coming from university telling us how to do dealer development in okay, the united yeah, states yeah, right yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the kids fresh out of school in salzburg and they're yep. telling us how to do dealer development right. yeah that stuff is irritating right. yes um the you just have to understand that the yes i was the president of ktm north america and at the time you know that was pretty cool yeah but that's all it was and i i try and avoid having my life have two words but and just i don't want anything <laughs> in my career to be based but. on i did a really good job but i really yeah. didn't ever step outside of ktm yeah yeah, yeah. or yeah. hey you were really good at your job but you were just the ceo of the north or the president of the north yeah, America group yeah, like yeah. you just can't live with butts and justs in yeah. your life you got to be able to be bigger than that right and um it is just a subsidiary yeah right yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah, I hope yeah. that comes across correctly because the current ceo of the north american group john hines is yeah. an incredible friend and his leadership by the way he's way better than i i mean <laughs> thank god i got out of there because that I don't guy's really doing know john that well he's an yeah, incredible him, person yeah, yeah. and he's way better right. way better at the size of company i think where I fit very well was a little scrappy. Yeah. That's I've had business mentors refer to me most commonly as scrappy. Okay. Scrappy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just not going to give up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, do yeah, yeah. The, the dog on a bone. Right. And I think that role was very, very good. Right. For right. the time and the, the upswing. Yeah. Now KTM is a 
Dude, they're a big machine. Uh, this, this gas major... gas thing is just shocking. Like, I'm just like, what? They bought gas gas? What? They're racing? What? You know, like. And look at how well they yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I have not, I have no information. Right. No information to tell me this. But when I look at that motorcycle, I guarantee you they're really happy it's bright red. I am yeah. really you think, sure you think they so? love yeah, 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 they it's like red. It. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. interesting. I would, yeah. I would guess that's a very interesting fun part of that journey right now right. back on the roll yeah. i think john's doing an awesome job yeah. at my point it's like I, I i have to step out like you yeah. can't you can't have a but and you can't have a just in your life in your career and yeah. your accomplishments it just right. just is not good enough uh fly racing racer x podcast with john eric burleson uh brought to you by uh maxis renthal uh cobalinks and motorsport and also our folks at race tech pulp 20 is a code to save race tech well pulp 21 now uh race tech get your motor work done get some suspension work done from the folks at race tech uh be fantastic if you could uh, do that many many privateers depend on race tech um we so i heard rumor had it that ktm brought kelly smith the rider who won their first ever Motocross National, first ever pro race in America, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. brought him back. Oh, to celebrate? I, to celebrate this win. Okay. And our guest here was one of the gentlemen involved in that. Um, Where guess, is it? Did you not did I, get lost in the mail? I, I didn't seem to get anything. I, I seemed to, I mean. Spam folder? I checked everywhere. <laughs> and you would think that KTM would honor the people that got that bike through that day. But, uh, we, but, we missed that. I, you know, I got to say, we just missed that one. Just like, wow. I can't believe we yeah. missed that I mean, that Rod one. Bush hugged me. After the that win. That didn't happen to many people. After that week, when we got back to the shop, Monday or Tuesday, he hugged me. Night of Champions, man. It was fun. It did was he a good know time. your name? I don't think he did. He Maybe hugged you. He did, He's yeah. like, that's the mechanic? Yeah, that's, the, that's the mechanic. Yeah, like, hey, mechanic. good job. You know what I mean? But Rod was cool. Uh, we had some conversations. Rod would come back and smoke back there. Uh, and he was, uh, so he would hang out with the race guys. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. That guy was a second dad to me. Was he really? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, was, I was living in my parents' basement, aimless, working at a tire store, trying to yeah, finish college. Yeah, yeah. And he got me out of there. Oh, and he did? It, not, okay. that, not that yeah. I was in a bad spot, but I wasn't going yeah. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, like, I had yeah. this you just had no goal. aimless. Had, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And he was like, dude, what are you doing? And I, he's like, hey, I need you to be a sales guy for me. And at that time, we were, we yeah. had, I was employee 22, right? Were you really? Oh, yeah, wow, okay, employee 22. Yeah, yeah. Payroll, we had 22 people on yeah, at that yeah. time. And he's like, I need you to take over the region because Rod had the Midwest region and he was president of the company. Oh, that's how okay. small so that's KTM how small was. was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And he's like, I need to get out of this. I need you to do this. And I was like, what year is this? Frick, that was 90. Well, he called me in 95. 95, yeah. 95. Wow. Yeah. And I actually, I was, So they were out of bankruptcy by then because they declared yeah. bankruptcy early 90s, I believe, 92. Right? Yeah, yep. 92. Yeah, okay. 92. Yep. And so they were out of bankruptcy yep. and then Pure had taken over yep. out, out of bankruptcy and the whole thing. And um, Rod was like, man, you need to, come. and I was like, man, I don't know. I, I this whole job thing, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. And he's like, let me talk to your wife. Cause I was living, I was married yeah. living in my parents' basement. And he's like, let me talk to your wife. I'm like, okay, I'll take the job. You know, okay, that kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. And he just pulled me along and then just showed you the ropes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, he really taught me a lot about business and that scrappiness yeah. that I believe yeah. I have. Yeah. If you, if any of you know, the listeners had ever the opportunity to experience him in business. Yeah. He had no formal education. Yeah. He was as scrappy as they came and he accomplished amazing things. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I was just lucky enough. He adopted me basically. I mean, he took me under his wing, yeah. and forced me basically to go back to graduate school. Yeah. Uh, you know, my concentration in finance and that was hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was super hard and he would never just never like, never give me the chance to like bow out. Right. right. And I, I learned a lot from yeah. that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's crazy. Employee number 22. Why again? Yeah. I two, know two. that. Yeah. Yeah. Two, 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 two. Um, um, well, did you know any of these folks growing up because your dad? Oh yeah. yeah oh that, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, like other than like, um, 
moments where you have family loss. I never saw my dad doesn't cry. Yeah. Well, maybe a little bit now. Okay. Like when my kid, you know, graduated from, yeah. um, or became a Marine. Okay. My dad was pretty choked up. Yeah. All right. Um, when my grandma died, that kind of stuff. But yeah. The only time I ever really saw him tear up was when he introduced me to John Penn and I was like 10. Really? Yeah, yeah. And dude, he was just like, this guy is a legend. Yeah. He couldn't even yeah. like hardly verbalize it. And I just, I just kind of took the whole thing in and I was like, holy crap. But yeah. Yeah. When I was growing up, guys like Malcolm Smith were yeah. like They're house guests. They were hanging out, right? They were hanging yeah. out. They were house guests. And yeah. you just kind of had this thing where, yeah, Rod was a, was a friend and Rod's mom before she passed away. I mean, she was always looking after me because yeah. I was running around like crazy at yeah. the races, just being a goofball right, and all that right. stuff. And you grew up all around you that stuff. Her, um, you know, I'm growing a mustache right now. I see that. I was yeah. wondering. Yeah. 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 And I was November. Yeah. November got a little bit yeah. long. Okay. I'm originally born in Cleveland. So I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, God help us in this weekend. Oh, play we Oh yeah. 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 So right. the mustache is staying around. But uh, what I love is Fox has this mountain bike helmet called the drop frame. Okay. Which looks like the old, 80s oh it does okay yeah, yeah it's yeah, got yeah. it's got that open face yeah. helmet looking yep. thing and i think it like the chuck sons and there's a super cool picture of bob hannah in the yeah. open face helmet you know hair kind of the, the locks kind of hanging out goggles Killer on mustache. Yeah, mustache right yeah you see that's joe what i grew up you see the joe for <laughs> yeah. i mean um, you grow up in that kind yeah. of stuff and it's like yeah it's clear what you but, have to do yeah no that's cool that's that's a that's an awesome story uh uh for sure and i always uh my mustache is an awesome story yeah that's even awesome. that, even yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> mustache. Anything else? Uh, I, I mean, we could we could go I, on I forever with this stuff. I want yeah, Whoa, I have one. Okay. I've been waiting. Right. Yeah, I've been waiting. Yeah. I want to yeah. I want to clear the air. Yeah, I want to clear the air because I thought we actually sat together on a flight yes. after Latvia. Yes, at, Latvia. Latvia for the okay. motocross yep. of nations. Yep. We were on the flight back. Yep, and and I think you were tired or something like that. And I thought, man, he he didn't like me. I don't know. Really? I'm not sure. I I think the guy doesn't like me, and I remember. I was like, man, that's why a- doesn't he like me? Like, what did I do? You know, that kind of thing. That's and hilarious I- that you remember. I do remember taking a European flight. I don't yep. know where, what, Latvia, I'll take your word for it. I do remember sitting next <laughs> to you on a European flight. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. dude, let's go back. I have always, and I continue to look up to entrepreneurs. Right. Right. So yeah. I look at you yeah. and I'm like, hey, the mechanic time and the Kelly Smith time, I know we joke about that, yeah. but who cares? Yeah. yeah. What you're doing with Pulp, just what you've built in your m- media. Yeah audience and just it's, it's incredible it's cool so i look up to it and yeah, when this guy's you. pissed at me i go man i screwed <laughs> up what did i do so i was thinking back I, I never asked you this one you called me when you were trying to like renew i want to say you were trying to renew uh your green card or not green card okay. but your, your, your yeah, work, visa? work visa work visa yep and you called and you're like hey man I know your dad's an engineer. Can he can he sign something for me okay. or something yeah, like yeah, that? I this was, was going like, under engineering training was my yep. was classification yep. for green card. Yeah, and I was like, God, I don't know this guy too well, and I don't know, man. I can't ask my dude, my dad, to do that. Like, no, I can't help. And I felt like, oh really? I felt like, dude, <laughs> Mathis hates me because I wouldn't help I, him. With I do not remember yeah. that. And I've been hanging on to this for like eighteen years, thinking Mathis hates no. me because I wouldn't have my dad sign. The freaking I mean, whatever H B one visa whatever it is right yeah. right right. Um, so are you pissed at me? No, I do not remember that. That's awesome. I, I don't. Thank remember God. That. Uh, what was your problem on the flight? What was your problem? I probably was just tired. Yeah, so I probably was just tired. Partying put, in the Alpine Stars. Put, put my headphones on and, and, and wanted to go to sleep. But, Latvia was um, pretty cool though. Latvia was good. Yeah, yeah Latvia it was, was pretty good. Cool. Um, Eli's last we, moto we, at, in Latvia, yeah, by amazing. the way. Is one of those most iconic yeah. moments. You're like, oh my god, yeah. what did I just watch? Right, right. It's like Dungey's moto at Southwick when he missed yep. the start. When he missed yep. the start, too. I missed the start too. Yeah. Um, no, I I do remember that 
kind of going through that process of trying to get an engineer to sign it, but I don't remember uh, you not doing it immediately. <laughs> Shit, I shouldn't but, have brought yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm pissed. Uh, <laughs> oh, his <laughs> conscience is clear, but now you're mad. Yeah, yeah now, now I'm mad again. Yeah, like, right? Why didn't yeah. you do that? Yeah. Right. No, the uh, I appreciate all everything that Intense has been able to do for me. I mean, obviously, I've lost a bunch of weight. I've enjoyed mountain biking like no other. Uh, I think I've helped uh, push the brand of Intense, and, and, and it's been a real – beneficial i saw my shack this a couple months ago or a month ago it's been so beneficial for both of us you know what i mean and totally. so i appreciate everything that that the intense thing's been, been amazing of all of the initiatives that we've done since christy and i started working with the company yeah. and i i started on my own doing some consulting in the uh, right after i left ktm yeah. uh spring of 17 of all the initiatives we've done i can put numbers to it the single biggest uplift so far yeah it's gonna be tough to keep up with parts unlimited i gotta tell you <laughs> but up till now the single single biggest thing has been the the, the pulp code wow yeah that's cool that's yep that's, yeah. single that's single it. biggest yeah. benefit to right. our that's to our, our company and sales yeah. and yeah i mean it is it, it goes back to you got a core audience you build them that was awesome yeah they listen to you they trust you and when you say something is good they take it and yeah. all, all we're doing is just you know yeah. trying to live by that that's well cool. unfortunately he has to hear all of my rants and yells. Like he's heard them all. Yeah. And so like he's, he has a tombstone planned. He's already, I don't know if he has a will made, but he has his tombstone yeah. plan of the things he wants to be known for. Yeah. His rants. Wait, yeah. you want to be buried in the ground? Yeah. I, I, That's yeah. creepy, dude. I don't know. I never, I never thought of that. Right. My wife doesn't want to be. <laughs> yeah. He's only focused on the tombstone. I don't know about yeah. the grave. Yeah. I'm really focused on a tombstone. Yes. Okay. Uh, I just want to cremation in a tombstone. Sure. Let's not okay. do the dead I just, body in a grave thing. I just That's wanted weird. to say like, he knew. And then dot dot dot, <laughs> and then nets, nets and supercross, yeah, two fifty class rules, two fifty class rules, amateurs. Yep, yep. amateur problems. Um, yep, I, probably e bikes because I was early on the e bikes. I was young. Yeah, e -bikes. I think that's yeah, where yeah, you're yeah, going yeah. with right, this. Right, yes, right, so endorse the e bike. I just want that to be. And you, so hey, he, he hears trendsetter, all that. right? Trendsetter, right? Uh, no, I appreciate the time and uh, congratulations on all the success for sure. And uh, it's funny that our paths crossed back in two thousand, two thousand one at KTM. Um, you know, with Kelly Smith and all that, and then and then didn't help with the green card. Didn't help with Didn't help this isn't care. why you needed to get married. But it is, it? it is a good lesson. No. I will okay. tell you, the number one lesson I've learned oh. being in power sports and now transitioning into yeah. bike is don't burn a bridge, you build bridges. Right? Yeah. You yeah. never burn bridges, you build bridges. Because you never I, know. I don't really take that advice, unfortunately. You never know, Steve, who you're going to be sitting across <laughs> right. the table from. Or, or now, flight. in your particular yeah. case, when it doesn't go well, yeah. you can actually turn that into like yeah. a business yeah. venture yeah. for yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're really good at it. Yeah, yeah, no. From my point of view yes. and for any of the industry guys that are out there listening, yeah. man, keep your bridges strong. You never know, right? Yeah, yeah, you just never know who you're going to be sitting across the table from, and it's yep. it's cool. I got, uh, I got lucky along my way to be around yeah. a lot of cool people, and, you know, along the way I had a great opportunity to talk to guys like Dungey and talk to guys like Roger and My Shack yep. and Zig and yep. – you just learn from all these people and yeah. you take it in. And the more you give yourself access to that knowledge, yep. that collective experience, it's just like, man, what a, what a career you can build. Right. Right. And, and, uh, we should mention too, the Lawrence brothers will be on intense bicycles. Absolutely. Yeah, just so picked that, up their bikes that, that's like two awesome. days ago. Right. Yeah. That's oh. a, that's a big thing for us. Yes. For, for, for Yeah. You're right, in right. You're in. And so now we got to work on, so we got to work on a Sean Palmer, uh, podcast at some point that would be fun you got to get steber in yeah um, steber, jeff would be happy right. to be part of that do, those guys I mean, steber I and sean palmer and i apparently that'll just be insane it's pretty wild i've heard and actually i think there's even some stuff they they still to this day may not talk about <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's pretty gnarly but jeff what yeah. they did and at that time yeah. like oh yeah. my gosh i was showing the bike the downhill bike that um one of the most iconic intense downhill race bikes yeah. was palmer's bike it's hanging in the mm -hmm. lobby and that was right around the same time when Sean qualified for his first 
Supercross. Supercross. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 125 Supercross. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. And he had a bet going. I don't know this for a fact, but what I was told was he had a bet going. He'd get essentially a factory ride from Mitch Payton and Pro Circuit yeah. if he qualified. Yep. And he did. Yeah. It was right around that same time. He was like yeah. ex- exiting snowboarding, coming into mountain mm-hmm. biking. And, yeah. I mean, it was so cool. It was really, really cool time for intense. Dude, yeah, yeah. Mountain bikers at that time were racing downhill in Lycra. And that guy showed up with cutoff Fox. Yeah. Moto gear. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And he just completely, well, I mean, to, to his character, yeah. just completely pivoted a sport. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it sounds like an interesting guy for sure. Well, uh, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks Love for it. all you've done for us. Uh, Weege, thanks for sitting in. Yeah, this is a bonus. I would just needed a place to work on my computer, but why, <laughs> why would I not pick Jeb's brain for an hour? Why not? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbet because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, there's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jump farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days. They're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The Working Class Hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.